Well, hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of a live stream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Melvin Gaines, and we appreciate you being here with us on this Sunday, June the 19th. Happy Father's Day, and also uh, happy Juneteenth. And uh, we'll get into that if you go to church today. We'll get into that a little bit more a little bit later on um, about those particular celebrations. But for now, let's get started with some music to allow people to jump on with us and be able to uh, celebrate with us uh, this particular day. Uh, good morning, Deneen. Here comes the praise team, Spirit and Truth. And uh, hopefully we won't have any issues with this one. This is from uh, YLC-TV. But uh, here comes the uh, music while we allow people to jump on with us. Amen. Pardon? Yes. Yes. Good morning, Clarinda. How are you? Praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Arlen. I think Arlen and Angie get on separately, but I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Thank you. Happy Father's Day. Yes, right. Thank you so much. Good morning. Cindy Phillips, good morning. Thanks for being here. Amen, amen. Beth, good morning. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen. Brother Roscoe, good morning. Good morning. Spirit and truth. Oh, well, hi, uh, Deneen. Um, thanks for sharing that. Took your first step from therapy. Amen. You just share with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Roscoe and Arella, good morning. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord is a faithful healer, amen? The Lord is a faithful healer. He will indeed heal. And we always look for physical healing. We pray for physical healing, but ultimately it comes down to spiritual healing too, amen? He touches our bodies in many ways, so want to make sure we acknowledge that. Brother Nate, good morning. Nate and Arnell, good morning. West Coast, thanks for coming uh, and joining us this morning. Amen. Hope you got your coffee. I got mine. Ronnie, good morning. Ronnie, I hope you're doing okay this morning. Amen. Hope you're getting better. Good morning, good morning, everybody. It's time to get into the Word, get into a little bit of the Word, a little bit of uh, history. Talking about the Reformation period today. 
Harlan, I don't know where you found this guy, but not bad at all. Amen. Good morning, good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here. Joanna and Charles, good morning. It is Father's Day. How about that? Some of you may remember that it was Father's Day six years ago. Um, or near, Yeah, I think it was Father's Day. The Cavs won the championship on that day. If I remember that correctly, that's what I thought. I thought I remembered anyway. Jasper, good morning. All right. Okay, I'm going to have to edit that down because uh, we have to get moving with uh, uh, material today. But thank you for joining us this morning. That was uh, uh, Spirit and Truth uh, doing praise and worship. Um, and that's from a, a cut from a YLC TV, which... Um, Arlen had passed the test. I didn't have a chance to uh, test it out uh, ahead of time, but looks like it was all good. We appear to still be on the air. <laughs> That's the most important thing. Um, so thanks again for that music. We will. Um, that uh, that looks like it'll work. So we'll see how it goes. The um, uh, 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 happy belated birthday to Lisa Hodge. By the way, she uh, had a birthday yesterday, according to what we understand. So happy birthday to her. And we just want to welcome everybody here this morning for Sunday School. We've got some verses to look at, but we've also got mostly material coming um, through to look at Martin Luther, which is, uh, we are in the Reformation period, and I uh, went ahead with this today to try to get this content clear before we get into other subject matters, such as uh, looking at the different um, uh, Bible versions that we have, the different uh, translations of the Bible, and starting with the history of the translations and going forward to where we are today. So uh, that will also be covered later, but uh, today we're going to cover the uh, Reformation period by Martin Luther, uh, through Martin Luther, and look at some material for him. And we will have uh, additional subject next subject matter next week with that as well, too. But in the meantime, let's do some announcements to make sure that we're uh, staying current with what's going on as far as the church is concerned. Please remember... Um, uh, first of all, today uh, for our Sunday worship service and as well as online following Sunday school, uh, the message is going to be celebrating your freedom in Christ. And that will be available here on the timeline for Akron Alliance Fellowship on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page. Um, as always, all of this content, after it's all been uploaded and is ready to go, uh, is available through our website, akronalliance.org, Akron Alliance is one word, .org. But in the meantime, uh, during the Sundays that we have, everything is centered right through our Facebook page, and you just stay here and and stay tuned. If you're not able to come to church today, that message will be available online after Sunday school. Um, and it's a it's a, an interesting message because it actually does talk about Father's Day and Juneteenth, but it's not the f formal content. The actual content is about freedom, <laughs> freedom in Christ. So I hope that you can stay with us and enjoy uh, the message uh, later on, and 
meet me in Akron here at 11, after 11 o'clock, and I'll give it live, and we'll see how it all goes. Amen. Um, please remember your tithes and offerings. We appreciate you guys uh, making sure that you're uh, making the contributions as far as the tithes and offerings. We really do rely upon those things. Amazingly, our giving, um, just by going from the bulletins and the information, our giving is pretty steady and uh, pretty amazing for a church that is kind of doing the virtual thing and the just the Sunday appearance on Sunday mornings. And yet we still have those people who are giving and contributing. We, we are pray, prayerful that those individuals are giving as they can and as they're able. And we are thankful for every gift, everything that you can send, anything that's possible to help keep our church moving forward. We've got plans for our church, um, but honestly, the plans have to be the plans according to God's will. And we just want to stay in God's will no matter what's going on. Um, but in the meantime, we do appreciate the tithes and offerings. Just want to point that out and make that known uh, at this time. And with that in mind, I'm going to go ahead and get started because we've got uh, plenty of stuff to go through here with the Reformation period, and I don't want it to be in any way boring. I want it to be um, very timely information. I want it to be helpful, give you a little bit of feedback about uh, Martin Luther and why he's an interesting person in the Reformation period. He, of course, is the one who is the face of Lutherism, um, and that's what we want to look at as well, too, very briefly. But it's really going to be about the content and how he addressed the issues of uh, how Scripture uh, was formed, where it comes from. It is the Word of God. Um, the, wor- the Scripture is indeed the words of God. It's, it's God speaking. And, of course, the nature of Scripture as well, too. So these are some things we're going to be covering uh, with today's material. And keep your Bibles handy because there's some verses we're going to look at and just kind of examine and see what Martin Luther was looking at when he was indeed uh, writing the materials that we're going to be referring to. So with that in mind, we just thank you again for being here. We thank you for your your loyalty to Akron Alliance Fellowship. Um, We want to be be sure that we're presenting Sunday School material that is indeed, uh, indeed glorifies God. That's the whole point of it. And that if I make a mistake or if I say something that I can say, oops, that's not right, uh, we can just go back and fix it later on if we have to. But at the end of the day, we want to be involved in truth and speaking the truth. So let's go ahead and get started with today's lesson. We appreciate everyone, um, and we appreciate your prayers as always, too. Lord, we just thank you for this time that you have given to us to enjoy your word and look at your word but also look at the importance of biblical inerrancy and the history as it came down and is presented now as biblical truth to us. As we read your word, study your word, we know that your word has remained intact over a period of time, Lord, that just is just mind-boggling. We can go into any bookstore today and we can purchase a Bible and purchase your, your word and have it ready in our hands the moment we get it. And we thank you, Lord, that you are indeed speaking to us. We thank you that in spite of all the things happening in the world today, your word indeed prevails and your word is truth. Lord, we pray, Lord, that we are have the mindset to absorb and listen to what you have to say. And also, Lord, we thank you for those individuals that you put in place in our past to be the, the touch points, the, the, the individuals who were responsible for proclaiming your truth. We thank you for that, too. Lord, we just give you all the praise and thanks, and we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, we're going to get into the uh, period of the Reformation with uh, Martin Luther. 
and we thank you for being here. The first thing to look at here is that he indeed, of course, is a very pivotal member, and we look at his life and when he was alive. He was alive from 1483 to 1546 A.D., so this is well removed from those church fathers that we originally talked about, and the Catholic Church was was pretty prominent uh, at that time, and he, in fact, uh, came up through that system and ultimately was dis- disenchanted with what was going on in the Catholic Church. Martin Luther is, is one of those guys that if you look at his history and look at what he was involved in, he was a very, very zealous individual, zealous for the Lord. And he reminds me in many ways of, of Paul, um, just because of his personality and, and how he got very much into the word. Now, you know, I, I just going by what I'm reading about Martin Luther, but he was very, very zealous for the word. He, he did stand on the fact that um, biblical inerrancy was, in fact, being carried through the Catholic Church, and there were... Of course, the main books of the Bible were indeed being used there as well, too. But I want to go ahead and look at the Reformation view of inspiration, which is what we're going to focus on today. Uh, When I say that Martin Luther was zealous, he was so zealous that he didn't really care much for the Jews. um, and, And that's something that probably isn't read about very much. But he was very adamant that the practices of the Jews were so anti Christ, that he was very, very um, definitive in his uh, statements against them as well, too. And that goes back to essentially what Peter and a lot of the, the disciples were saying in their own writings about, why would you go back to the old faith when you have the faith already in Jesus Christ? And I think that's where uh, Martin Luther was coming from, probably wasn't taken very well by some people, <laughs> uh, where he did want to have some um, temples burned down. I think that that was a one of the writings that I understand, too. He was very zealous. So we're not here to laud or applaud Martin Luther beyond what his contribution is. He he was a human being just like you and me, and he was subject to uh, probably going a little bit too far with some of his interpretations. So I just want to put that out there just to make sure that we understand that when we're talking about people in this, this particular time frame and what they were involved in, God did place them there for a reason and a purpose, no question about it, and they did and these people are very intelligent. They they are very, very well capable of, uh, had a great knowledge of the word, and they've made writings to support that. And we're going to look at some of those writings here. But I just want to make sure, make sure it's very clear that we never elevate the person um, in any way, shape, or form. We are just looking at that person in a, at a point in history because the person who is to be glorified here is Jesus Christ, and that's it. And that's what... I'm sure they would tell you the same thing if they were here today. They would tell you the same thing. It's Jesus Christ that we're looking at. It's not about any individual or person. The Reformers reacted against many of the teachings and practices of the Roman Catholic Church. They strongly affirmed, however, the same view of the inspiration of Scripture held by Catholics down through the centuries, namely that it was the infallible, inerrant, written Word of God. But... What was the purpose of the reform? Well, some of the, ch- the churches, the Catholic churches, were not doing what they should have been doing. Um, and they were getting away from some of the teachings. And of course, one of the teachings that was very prominent in the Catholic church is that it was works that were going to get you saved and not just the grace of Jesus Christ, which is exactly what Martin Luther was referring to. He said it was about by grace you are saved, not by anything that you would do. Amen. And that's what we have to look at. Luther was emphatic about the Bible. Uh, It is God's word. It is not man's word. 
God is the author of every word of Scripture. This is what Luther believed. Absolute divine authority extends to even the smallest part of Scripture, including those references to history and science. Whoever denies anything in the Bible denies God himself. That's what Martin Luther believed. He was very zealous, and so I think that's what we need to take away from that. So let's look at this a little bit more deeply. First of all, his writings about the origin of Scripture, and we've covered this with the other people here as we've gone through the, the different uh, uh, different individuals that we looked at in when it comes to Scripture. First of all, he refers to the Word of God being, uh, it is indeed the Word of God that is part of the origin of Scripture. And he writes in one uh, of his texts, um, this is exactly as it is with God. His word is so much like himself that the Godhead is holy in it, and he who has the word has the whole Godhead. And of course, when he refers to the Godhead, he's referring to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are all involved with that. And um, this is something that was um, uh, he believed in very strongly. Now, I want you, while we're looking at something here, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 26. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Genesis 26. We're going to look at verses 17 through 22. 17 through 22. Now, I'm mentioning this particular passage because he was uh, making a point in his writings about Genesis. This, he, he was referring to this particular passage, which I thought was very interesting. Okay, so I'm going to start at verse 17. Um, he refers to verses 19 through 21, but I'm going to read the whole thing for some context so we can understand what's going on here. So Isaac moved away to the Gerar Valley where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring. This is our water, they said, and they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Essek, which means argument. Isaac's men then dug another well, but again there was a dispute over it, so Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. Then verse 22, abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well, this time there was no dispute over it, so Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. Now, when Martin Luther referred to this, he made it a point to say, it must be observed, however, that another one is the author of this book. Another one. Now, who is the original author that we attribute to Genesis? And that's Moses, right? Well, he's saying there's another one. Uh, who's the author of this book, namely the Holy Ghost is what he referred to, the Holy Spirit. Um, the Spirit, Holy Spirit wanted to write this to teach us. And what was the lesson being taught here? Isaac was going about his own business and digging wells. He restored the wells that were already being, uh, that were trashed by the uh, the Philistines when they threw rocks and stuff into them already. And then he dug them new wells but there was conflict that was coming from those wells being dug. And the lesson that was being taught here was that Isaac was saying, you know what, we're not going to get into any conflict. We're not going to get into any issues with this. We're going to move on. That's why he named the wells that he did. Well, we're going to just move on from here. And so these wells are going to be dealt with a call them argument and hostility and dig yet another well. 
And that's the one he settled with because he avoided all conflict. And the one thing that Isaac was trying to do was, I guess, trying to keep the peace, trying to make things go well. That was the lesson that was being taught that Martin Luther is mentioning here. He wanted us to see that the lesson here is that when we get into a situation where even though we're doing what the Lord would have us to do, he wants us to keep the peace. He wants us to keep uh, keep things moving forward and not get into unnecessary disputes. And now, it, not not to say that digging a well wasn't a big deal. It certainly was. There was, was a lot of time and effort in that. But at the end of the day, uh, there was plenty of space. There was plenty of land. And I think the Lord led him to just say, you know what? Leave them alone. Let them do what they're doing. You just go ahead and follow my direction and move forward to the next well, and then we'll go from there. So... Martin Luther made it a point to say that there was a lesson being taught in this lesson, in this message here. And he's saying that it's not just Moses writing this. Of course, it's Moses, but the Spirit is speaking through this. And that's what we need to understand and see here. He is really landing on the fact that the, the Word is indeed inspired by God. It comes from God. Um, let's move on from that. In the exposition of the second epistle of St. Peter, that's Second Peter, by the way, of the same year is the statement says peter what has been written and proclaimed in, in the prophets has not been imagined nor invented by men but holy and devout men have spoken it through the holy ghost okay and so we and we'll look at second peter a little bit later on here and that we'll get to that passage and, and understand where that's coming from Martin Luther writes, he is called a prophet who has received the understanding directly from God without further intervention, into whose mouth the Holy Ghost has given the words, for he, the Spirit, is the source, and they have no other authority than God. Now, these are all writings that were, were attributed to Martin Luther, and these are things that he is saying. He's mentioning a great deal about the Spirit being the one that was speaking through the prophets. Indeed, it is God's word that's being spoken. Uh, let's take a look at another passage real quick. To go to 2 Samuel, chapter 23. 2 Samuel 23. We're going to look at verses 1 and 2. 2 Samuel 23, verses 1 and 2. And I'm going to read here. It says, the spirit of, uh, well, let me read the passage first. Verse 1, 2 Samuel 23. These are the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, speaks. David, the man who was raised up so high. David, the man anointed by the God of Jacob. David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. Verse 2, and here's the key verse here. The, Lord, the, God, the Spirit of the Lord speaks through me. His words are upon my tongue. Now, this is what Martin Luther wrote about that. The Spirit of the Lord spake by me. And his word was in my tongue. It becomes too marvelous and soars too high for me. He was really affected by that passage. It is these and similar statements to which St. Peter refers to in the epistle, second epistle 121. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, etc. Therefore we sing in the creed concerning the Holy Ghost, who spake by the prophets. So we refer all of scripture to the Holy Ghost. He is making this writing, he's making this declaration in his own writings over and over again. And let's see what he's referring to in Second Peter. Go to Second Peter. 
chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. It's a passage we've looked at several times. And remember, all of these passages were available for Martin Luther. These were all being read and they were being held in the church, just like any church, right? Any church that uh, uh, is worth its salt is going to have the scripture right there. And indeed, it is there for everyone to view and see. Second Peter 1, verses 20 and 21. It says, Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. And Martin Luther is essentially saying exactly the same thing here. He is giving us the same information that's being conveyed here. He is reiterating and emphasizing that it's the Spirit who is speaking to us on the, from the words that are spoken on the page. They were spoken through all the prophets, and that is what his interpretation is. Now, of course, when he says the Godhead, he's referring to what? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all working collectively and speaking to us through the different prophets. That's what he is referring to here. He continues and writes, We must know what we believe, namely what God's Word says, not what the Pope or the saintly fathers believers say. For you must not rely on a person. No, you must rely on the word of God alone. And and that's very important for us to understand here. Of course, at that time, the Catholic Church was installing popes, and the popes were deemed to be the head of the church. But they also were given a special elevation where the pope was to be worshipped and the pope was to be followed almost as a as a connection to God the Father. And that's the way the Pope has been treated uh, to this day. And that's pretty much how it's set up uh, in the Catholic Church. They call it infallible. Uh, yeah, they call him infallible, right. That's exactly right. And that's not right. And, that's not right. and, and, and so, with a, no disrespect intended for anybody online who was is Catholic, uh, we certainly understand that if you're Catholic, you can be a believer in Jesus Christ because you believe in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, dying on the cross for you and, and uh, forgiving you of your sins. And that's what, that's what is, is going to mean eternal life, not worshiping a man like the Pope or anything like that. So we want to be very clear about that. And that's why Martin Luther was so adamant in making sure that it was very clear that we don't go by what the Pope says or the, the saintly fathers say. Um, we go by what Jesus says. We go by what God says. We we want to look rely upon the word of God alone. That's what he wrote. And that is what we need to always emphasize as well, too. We always emphasize, for example, when we go to church and we, we do Bible studies or we do, uh, we do Sunday school or we'll go and listen to a pastor, at the end of the day is what does the word of God say? What does the Lord say? What does he say? It's not anything about what I say or a pastor says or anybody else, right? It's what does the Word of God say? And that's exactly what is being emphasized here. Uh, and we want to keep emphasizing that because at, at the end of the day, that's where we all need to be if we're talking about biblical inerrancy. When we start infusing words based upon our opinions or our thoughts and we, we put those things in place, we need to understand that that's not necessarily um, where we should be. We shouldn't be looking at opinions. Now, don't don't misunderstand that. Commentaries, for example, that are written, these are people who are supposed to be trusting in God's word. 
Uh, not every commentary is a great commentary, but we have to trust that it's, it's there to provide additional wisdom and understanding. But how do we get wisdom and understanding ultimately when it comes to God's word? We pray about it. We pray that what we're listening to is indeed the word of God, that we are discerning the truth. We are discerning his truth. And we put a litmus test up there for people who are speaking about God. If, they, if they're not passing the test, if the Spirit is speaking to you in such a way where what you're, what you're hearing and understanding is not of God's word or not of his will, then you need to discern and make a decision about how much longer you listen to someone like that. That's what you have to do. So, I mean, I, everybody has to be their own Berean, amen? You've got to ch- test out the word of God on your own. I don't, you know, people would say all kinds of stuff and... And, and we hear stuff sometimes that um, uh, my wife and I do every now and then. We just passing through. We'll hear things that just don't make any sense. And, and you just have to go back and say, well, that doesn't appear to be what God would have us to say or do. So we have to recognize that. Now, let me continue here because I want, don't want to lose too much time. There's a lot here, and, and we may not get to it all today. And, but I want to cover the key points of it. So... Luther writes in another section, Would to God that my exposition that all of all doctors might perish and each Christian himself make the scriptures and God's pure word his norm. You can tell by my verbosity how immeasurably different God's words are in comparison with any human word. How no single man is able to fathom sufficiently any one word of God and expound it with many words. Amen. We do the best we can with the word, can't we? Uh, but ultimately, we have to pray that the Lord speaks to us individually about the words that are being provided because that's what's most important for us as believers. So let's keep that emphasis going. Um, the words of God, Martin Luther writes, and the scriptures, although they are too, although they too are written by men, are neither of men nor of from men, but from God. Now, since scriptures and the doctrines of men are contrary to one to the other, the one must lie and the other must be true. And again, this is from the writings of Martin Luther. And he's saying that, you know what, God's word is truth. And anything that we put up against it, if, if it doesn't measure up, it's a lie. So uh, that's a very, very pointed remark that he is making. And you have to understand where, where he's coming from. He's been in the church. He's been listening to people. He hears them and hears the teachings. But unfortunately, those teachings were not following what the word of God was saying. They were being expanded upon by making statements about works uh, being more important than faith. And that's what he was adamant about. And he's writing to those people who are also disputing what he has written as well, too. They do not believe they are God's words, for if they believed they were God's words, they would not call them poor, miserable words, but would regard such words and titles as greater than the whole world and would fear and tremble before them as before God himself. For whoever despises a single word of God does not regard any as important. And like, wow, you know, he's making his point very clear. These are all writings of his. I see that scripture is consonant in all uh, and though and through all and agrees with itself in such a measure that it is impossible to doubt the truth and certainty of such a weighty matter in any detail. The word of God uh, to Martin Luther is like the end all be all. It is absolutely where we have to park ourselves. 
when it comes to our studies and remembering and understanding that when it comes to biblical inerrancy, all of these writers, all these people, Martin Luther and, and down, down the line, all the other teachers, they're saying the same thing. God's word is truth. We are not to put God's word on the shelf. We're not to ignore what God's word has to say to us. He goes on further about the nature of scripture being authoritative. We do not condemn the doctrines of men just because they are the doctrines of men, for we would gladly put up with them, but we condemn them because they are contrary to the gospel and scriptures. And we have to understand that that's based upon we're all flesh, right? And so when there are doctrines put forth, and when we say doctrines of men, rules, regulations, ways to even approach God's word, sometimes we impose these things, but the problem is, is that they don't stand up against God's word. If they're contrary to the gospel and scriptures, we shouldn't be doing them. And that's what Martin Luther was warning the people about. We shouldn't be doing these things. We shouldn't be getting into ritualistic matters or things that are going to take people, take the focus off of God's word and put the focus on the human being, on the men, on the people involved. That's what we have to make sure we're understanding here. We hope that everyone will agree with the decisions that the doctrines of men must be forsaken and the scriptures retained. For they will neither desire nor be able to keep both, since the two cannot be reconciled, and are by nature necessarily opposed to one another, like fire and water, like heaven and earth. Wow. And this is uh, uh, written from the works of uh, the works of Martin Luther, and, and transcribed for us to understand here. Um, Luther also writes something that's very important, and especially coming up in the Catholic Church. Remember, we referred to the Apocrypha, which was also the additional writings um, that are being attributed and being held as part of Scripture uh, in the Catholic Church. Uh, but we want to re make sure that we recognize that Martin Luther is not recognizing those books here. He is saying, I have learned to ascribe this honor, namely infallibility, only to books which are termed canonical. Which books are those? The 66 books of the Bible, the original 66 that we're referring to. He says, so that I confidently believe that not one of their authors erred. And he's referring to that. Now, that is a direct statement against uh, the church when it comes to the use of the Apocrypha and the use of that as being a scripture. That's what's going to come later and, being, and be introduced in the Bible in response to Luther's comments of the Reformation. The books are there, they're out there, and he knows about them, but he's saying the canonical books are the ones that we want to recognize. Nothing but God's word alone should be preached in Christendom. The reason for this is no other, as we've said, than this, that a word must be proclaimed that remains eternally, a word through which souls may be saved and may live forever. Amen. He's got it. He knows exactly what he's saying here. He's saying that that word is authoritative, and that's exactly the way we want to look at this. He also mentions that the nature of Scripture, of course, is infallible and inerrant. And we're emphasizing these points again. For all of you uh, who want to know more about who these people are, and I know my wife, has, uh, my lovely bride, has put in references in the notes here about who, how to look up these individuals and read about them and study them. And, and just as a, for the sake of discussion here, too, uh, Wikipedia is a great source, but it's not infallible itself. Um, you have to understand that people edit Wikipedia as well. So 
uh, it's always a good idea to look at more than one source. If we, we give you a source, but and you can start there, but that doesn't mean you end there. You just keep reading and studying as well, too. Christianity.org. Christianity.org is a great source. Godquestions.org. Always go and look at those sources where they devote their time and effort and energy to uh, studies that are, are indeed going to be helpful for you for greater understanding. We have to be investigators of the word. Amen? Um, living in God's image. Not just reading the word, but investigating it. And investigating it means you're going to have to go a little bit deeper than just reading what the words on the page are because sometimes we just have to allow the Spirit to speak to us about what we're reading. We are investigators of God's word. That's where it starts, and that's where um, when it comes to being obedient to the Lord, we want to know more about what the Lord is saying to us. So if you're investigating the word and then you're meditating on it, uh, you're acting according to the word, you're growing in it, and you're living uh, and enduring uh, each day. That's image. That's the I got that worked in. I didn't intend to today, but that got worked in very nicely. If you want to live in God's image, that's how you do it. Um, infallible word, inerrant word. Neither does it help them to assert that at all other points that they have a high and noble regard for God's words and the entire gospel, except in this matter. My friend, God's word is God's word. This point does not require much haggling. <laughs> this is Luther's writing. When one blasphemously blasphemously gives the lie to God in a single word or says it has it is a minor matter if God has blasphemed or called a liar, one blasphemes the entire God and makes light of all blasphemy. Wow. Um, he could get pretty heated, I guess, in his writings. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, that's what I'm looking at. <laughs> it's just... Um, well, blasphemy is blasphemy, amen? When, when you blaspheme the word of God or the name of God, you're blaspheming him in, in its entirety. That's what he's trying to say here and communicate. Now, here's another writing of his, and I, I, I don't want to say the guy was moody. I don't think that probably would be appropriate because uh, he, he's putting this down and being very conscious about it. He's very intense. That's the word. Um, so the Holy Ghost has had to bear the blame of not being able to speak correctly, but that like a drunkard or a fool, he jumbles the whole whole and uses wild, strange words and phrases. But it is our fault that we have not understood the language nor the style of the prophets. It cannot be otherwise because the Holy Ghost is wise and also makes the prophets wise. Remember, if we don't understand something, it doesn't mean there's something crazy or some drunk person is 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 bringing it out. That's what they were saying in Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit came and lit people's uh, came and made this dramatic appearance, and people were starting to speak uh, the word of God, and some people were who were not being touched by that said, "Well, they're just drunk, <laughs> they're just fools." But that's exactly what we are foolish to the world. We may act like we're drunk, even though we're not drunk to the world. Amen. We have to understand that. It, 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 the world does not see what we do or what we look at here as being relevant or in any way relevant to them, for sure. They think we're crazy. I'd rather be a fool for Christ, amen, um, than be uh, have worldly wisdom. I think that that's what we have to get right back to. Um, we need to be wise about certain things in the world, but when it comes right down to it, we need to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and make sure that that wisdom of the world is in no way going to be uh, anything that overshadows what God's truth is or what or what God's will is for our lives and what we should be doing. So we need to keep that in mind. 
Once again, we're looking at the inerrant word, right? Um, but one who is wise must be able to speak correctly. That never fails. But because whoever does not hear well or does not know the language well may think he speaks ill because he hears or understands scarcely half the words. Now, this is a lesson about making sure that we just don't take pieces, parts of Scripture and just uh, take that and interpret all of it as being truth. We have to listen to all of it and we have to read and understand what God's word is in its entirety. We have a bad habit. A people have a bad habit of taking some of the words of God and, and, and elevating this truth, but taking them out of context. And that's something we have to be very careful about. And so Martin Luther is very clear about this. And he gets to a, a point where he basically says that anybody who dares to accuse God of fraud and deception in a single word and does so willfully again and again after he has been warned and instructed once or twice will, like, will likewise certainly venture to accuse God of fraud and deception in all his words. Remember, there was a competition uh, from the time when Jesus was even around, right, where people would start to, uh, and even after he left, where people would start to proclaim that they knew the truth, they had a certain truth, they had a certain revelation from God. This is There's nothing new under the sun, everybody. This happens all the time. This is still happening today. I wish I could say that it wasn't happening, but that's what, indeed, we have to look at. And we've got one more thing I want to look at here um, today, and that's the revelation of Christ. And look at what Martin Luther said about that, and there will be a passage we will uh, look at as well, too. Therefore, dismiss your own opinions and feelings and think of the scriptures as the loftiest and noblest of holy things, as the richest of minds which can never be sufficiently explored. Wow, that's that's pretty deep. In order that you may find that divine wisdom which God here lays before you in such simple guise as to quench all pride. Here you will find the swaddling clothes in the manger in which Christ lies and to which the angel points the shepherds. And that's in Luke 2.12. Go ahead and turn to that. Luke chapter 2, verse 12. And, and, and the point that he is going to be making here is very interesting. Luke 2.12. Luke chapter 2, verse 12. Simple and lowly are these swaddling clothes, but dear is the treasure, Christ, who lies in them. It's a very almost poetic statement. And what is, what is he saying here? That Jesus Christ is making it very simple and plain to us. That he is indeed a man of the, he's going to be a, a man on earth and he's going to live like a man. But the simplicity of what he was wrapped in, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Amen. The simplicity of how Christ came. And we want to see that that's the point where dear is the treasure of Christ who lies in them. And so... This is Christ being revealed to us, and we want to make sure that we understand that this is the truth that the Martin Luther is referring to when he is making criticisms of others who are failing to understand that God is the one we need to look to, and not to human beings, not to man. We're not worshiping the worship leaders. We're not worshiping the Pope. We're not worshiping anyone who's in a position of authority when it comes to man. We are all vessels of God's word, amen? We're supposed to be all just conveying the truth of God's word, no matter what's going on. And we also want to recognize, too, that the word is authoritative. Authoritative word. Um, there was mention of a certain new astronomer who wanted to prove that the earth moves and not the sky. 
the sun and the moon. This would be as if somebody were riding on a cart or in a ship and imagined that he was standing still while the earth and trees were moving. Luther remarks, so it goes now, whoever wants to be clever must agree with nothing that others esteem. He must do something of his own. That is what the fellow does who wishes to turn the whole of astronomy upside down. Even in these things they are, that are thrown into disorder, I believe the Holy Scriptures, for Joshua commanded the sun to stand still and not the earth. Amen. Go to Joshua chapter 10, verse 12. There are certain things that uh, man will try to be clever and do things that they want to do, but he's referencing this particular thing here. Um, on the day of the Lord, this is Joshua chapter 10, verse 12. On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. He said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Aijalon. And then verse 13 says, so the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. Is this event not recorded in the book of Jasher? The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set as on a normal day. You can include verse 14 as well, too. There has never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. Um, my apologies to my lovely bride for that. <laughs> but I wanted to make sure that we understood that the, the context of this as well, too. And this is what um, Martin Luther is making the statement of. is like, first of all, the scriptures are the ones we look to. The scriptures are the ones we focus on. God is the one in control of the universe. He is the one in control of all things that we see in the universe. He is the one. When we say God is in control, we really do mean that. We should mean that because he truly is. He is the one that controls the heavens, the earth, how we spin, how the moon spins around us. These are all things that are in his control. And, and we have to recognize that it's been that way for many, many years. It's been that way uh, for as long as we've studied the solar system. Um, and we want to make sure that we recognize that God is indeed the one who is in control of over all these things. And one more point, and we'll close out with this, about Martin Luther's statement about the scientifically authoritative nature of Scripture. Because we are not sufficiently able to understand how these days occurred, nor why God wished to observe such distinctions of times, we shall rather admit our ignorance than attempt to twist the words unnecessarily into an unnatural meaning. As far, therefore, as St. Augustine's opinion is concerned, we hold that Moses spoke literally, not allegorically or figuratively. That is, the world and all its creatures was created within the six days, as the words, de words declare, because we are not able to comprehend, we shall remain disciples and leave the instructionship this instructorship to the Holy Ghost. So people try to explain things that are happening in Scripture. I, I understand what he's writing here, um, that we want to make sure that Moses spoke literally about the six days in creation uh, and the seventh day God rested. That's what, that's what uh, Martin Luther is saying here. We can't comprehend everything, but we, we don't want to get into this thing where we're trying to stretch the truth or stretch what God is trying to accomplish here. God could definitely do what he said he could do, create the world in six days. I mean, that's a um, that's nothing is beyond God's power or authority, and we have to recognize that. And so we want to make sure that what we're reading in Scripture 
even if science itself can't explain it, we are going to trust in faith that God is saying that this is what happened. This is what the truth is. And that makes it, gives an even greater case for biblical inerrancy. We're saying that this is God's truth. And because God spoke it, and because God, like he did, like what he did here in Joshua chapter 10, he made a statement and a sign for the people of Israel. He wanted people to see, see how he indeed had fought for them. He had defeated the enemies for them. And the sign was what Joshua had declared um, about the sun standing still. And we have to trust that these things indeed happen, and there's been no day before it and no day after it, according to the word. And that's the beauty of God's word. Amen? Uh, there are some things that he will do. He does miracles. He performs miracles for us. He does things that we don't expect. He does things that we can't comprehend sometimes, but yet he's so good and he is so wonderful he does those things because he loves us. May we take away these truths. May we see what Martin Luther is saying here in these truths and recognize them that he indeed is stating uh, that God's word is truth. We do not worship men. We do only worship the Lord, and we worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where we always want to focus as we look at these different individuals that God has placed in our history to recognize that the word is indeed truth and it is infallible. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you again for your teaching, and we thank you for your very presence this morning. We thank you for showing us the different ways that Martin Luther responded to Scripture and wrote about it and just was just so gratified to be able to share how much he gets out of it, or how much he got out of it, excuse me, and how much he appreciated the truth of God's Word. And it's not about what humans say. It's not about what we think or do. It's about what God did to speak through the disciples, speak through the prophets, to convey his truth to us. May we always remember that it's not what a guy wrote or some person wrote. It's what the Spirit wanted to be conveyed through to those individuals and give it to us so that we understand God's truth. Bless us and keep us, Lord, as we understand that truth and move forward. May we do the research on our own as well, too, and look into these individuals and not praise them, but thank them for their contributions to uh, complete uh, the fact that we have the word from the very beginning as conveyed to us today because of your truth and making sure that those words are being conveyed. Thank you, Lord, and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for being here today. We're going to get out of here and get down to Akron for today's uh, message. Uh, celebrating your freedom in Christ. We'll, we'll see you a little while. Happy Father's Day. Happy Juneteenth to all of you. God bless you all. Take care of yourselves. And we will see you next time.